0: Hey guys, what's going on? This is David Avalon with another episode of Breaking the Guard with me and Robert Drysdale. In today's episode, we talk a little bit about cross training, and uh, this came about because I had saw that there was this camp in run by Moja the ADC uh, coordinator, uh, called Modolfo, which is running in South Beach and like a nice uh, mansion type of thing, and he has like Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones. Aynan Duarte, the Rotolo brothers, Henry Cejudo. So he's got a host of the world's best grapplers all on one roof. And apparently they're filming this and maybe making some type of video or course, or I'm not sure what. But I right about the idea of how we think about cross training with athletes as an athlete and as a coach. So me and Robert talk about the different pros and cons and what we think is the best route. About handling it. And we also talk about some MMA strategies, um, pacing, rhythm, and we go a little bit here and there when we're moving around. So I think it's a very uh, good conversation, especially for somebody who's an athlete who, or someone who's looking to get into the martial arts to try to get you straight. A lot of people want to bounce around all over the place, and I don't necessarily think that's the way to go about it, but that's why we have this podcast. So go ahead and tune in, and I hope you enjoy. Before we get started, I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, which is DrysdaleBJJOnline.com. DrysdaleBJJOnline.com is Robert's online uh, video site where he has a host of different courses. I think there's like 12 of them covering various topics like his favorite guard passes, favorite mount escapes, uh, and, and a bunch more in there. And they're all like little mini courses, so they're very affordable. I think there's one as low as uh, $11.99 or something like that. It's it's a really good deal. Honestly, it's a steal uh, for the type of knowledge that Robert's giving out. He's a very good instructor, very articulate, and understands the ins and outs of every move very well. So you can go ahead and watch it from your phone or from any internet device. Check it out at DrysdaleBJJOnline.com. guys what's going on david avalon here with robert drysdale for another episode of breaking the guard what's going on rob
1: always awesome dave good life life i chose happy about yourself doing
0: good doing good you know house is looking nice yeah yeah we got a lot of remodeling going down are we just finished the library room i finished the bedroom we got a, a master bath remodel and a dining room and then i think we're done we're good and then i have to start tackling the outside <laughs> That's a whole yeah <laughs> that's another issue, but like at least the inside of the house should be done in the next month or so, and it'll we'll be good to roll um, yeah it's just it's hard work man working around the house like it's very tedious. i we talked about it before, but it's like
1: yeah it's uh it's more headaches than it sounds like I'll just pay someone to take care of everything, but you, you there's no way you're not getting involved, and people are going to mess up and they don't do the job they say they're going to do, and then they disappear on you like it it's more headaches than it sounds.
0: Yeah, and things always go wrong.
1: It's yeah. Guaranteed. Murphy's yeah. Law is brutal, man. Murphy hates my guts too, man.
0: It's just weird because you could do other things that where nothing goes wrong, uh. but like with a home improvement project, it's like you can't move away from it. Like there's always something you can't account for.
1: I I, I come to the conclusion of this right here. Anything that involves people, shit's gonna go wrong, because we're messed up, man. We change our minds, we forget, we get distracted, we don't know how to do stuff, we get angry, we get emotional. And, you know, you know, computer to computer, you press on, it works, your watch is your watch. These things are very mechanical and they just work. Anything you're going to put people in the equation, it's going to make flaws. Yeah, You know, like we're we're very not machine-like like that. Because you can be super efficient about something today and tomorrow not be. Same thing. You know, you're having a bad day. You're less yeah. efficient. You
0: know? I think there's also just, oh, in a project, there's probably, like if you're working in a house, it's been worked on by a lot of people already. Which means there's a lot of variables that you can't account for. And... Particularly, like I was laying floors out, and some floors were a little chipped, or the it was like a tongue and groove thing, and some of them wouldn't click in. And there's so many different parts you're talking about, like torn planks of wood or whatnot. One of them's gonna have a little defect, and it screws everything up. And oh, there was a few coño carajos I was
1: laying out. I
0: working out. And Jamie's like, Oh, I never see you get frustrated. I'm like, Oh,
1: so now you get it. If Dave's dropping the carajos. <laughs> I've never I've known Dave for quite some time. I've never seen him drop a carajo. I learned it from yeah. my
0: dad. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, whenever he's doing a home improvement project, those will go flying around. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <There> coña. <they go. laughs> <laughs> Something didn't work out, right? So now I'm doing it. I'm like, well, I know where I learned that from. But uh, that's all good. Now it's worked out pretty nicely. And um, yeah. but uh, One of the things I wanted to talk about, I saw... Uh, I think on my Instagram, Mo Dasim, uh, he's an ADCC. I don't yeah, I pronounce can't pronounce that. his
1: name. I just, I think everyone just calls him Mo. Mo. Uh, you know, well, I mean, he might be virturing his, his surname. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm sure I am. Yeah. But, uh, he's running something very interesting where he's putting uh, this be called Modolfo uh, in like, Miami. I think he's, it looks like he's like in the Versace house or something like that. And he got all these different uh, grapplers to go in there. And, uh was, like Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, uh Kainan, uh, he had the Rotula Brothers, Was a JT, even as Henry Cejudo. So there's like a whole cast of people and they're all training together in one house. And apparently they're filming this, I think they're gonna make it into like a DVD or a course of some sort. But um, I found that very interesting because that's very rare where you can get people from all different places in one house to train together. Right. So I've had that experience a few times, but I'm sure you had a well being here in Vegas. So I'd like to take your thoughts on what you think about this. So, well, this is like a immersion cross training that you would seldom get. Right. Like this is yeah. like once in a lifetime type stuff where you could put everybody into one room.
1: So we had a podcast a while ago about cross training and Creonte. And I, you know, and where I stand with this is, is this first of all, money talks pay people the right amount of money, they'll change allegiances and they change how they think very quickly. Money talks. You know, normally I don't think you could see, you know, these guys train together. But if the money's right, they're gonna they're gonna enroll, right? Second thought, I can guarantee you they're not going to war. They know they don't want to give their tools away. Not not for they're not gonna expose themselves to a potential opponent. So they're rolling. But you ever roll with someone with like a silent agreement? We're not going to go balls to the wall. I'm not going to try to tap you. You're not going to try to tap me. You know what I'm talking yep, about? Yeah, like yep. that, that happens. Sure. That happens. It's it like a silent agreement where we know that the stakes are too high, and we're, we have nothing to gain because we already get we already got paid.
0: Yeah,
1: we're here. That's our payment. I don't have to beat you to get paid. So the stakes would be too high for Kainan to go to war with, uh, with Gordon. Right? They, have, they both have too much to lose. It's on camera now. So I think it's a very respectful thing that they kind of like don't really... I could be wrong. Maybe they're pushing that threshold. I'd be surprised. I think that's what's happening. On the cross-training side, it's... You know, I, I've gone all over the place with this. You know, I started very... You know, when I was you're a student, you don't, it makes no sense not to cross train Like, you want to train with everyone. And you got to remember, cross-training, a lot of it has to do with socializing. It's not really training. You just want to see you want to find out where you sit in the hierarchy in a different gym. You know where you sit in the pecking order in your own gym. Now you're curious. It's more of a curiosity. It's socializing. It's creating all these friendships and relationships with these other teams because, you know, we're we're networkers by nature, right? We like to have a broad network of people, people that like us. And... And it's not very genuine. It's a lot, very fake a lot of times. Like, hey, my friend, you know? It's like, ah, no, I, I know you, you don't like me, it's okay. You don't like but you're just pretending you do because you know, you benefit from being my friend in some way, right? So there's a lot of that going on. Um, I, now, these days, as, as, a, as a team owner, as a gym owner, I don't like it because, I mean, if it's like the way, if it's a flow role and it's not very genuine, yes, it's fine. But if I had a fighter of mine and he's in the UFC and he's fighting for the UFC title, for example, and you know he's going to fight you know, Henry Cejudo for the title, there's not in a million years would I let Henry Cejudo train at my gym. Yeah. Not in a million years would I let one of his training partners train at my gym. Not in a million years would I let one of my main guys go train with Henry, one of Henry Cejudo's training partners. I would not allow the cross. I would kick yeah. that guy out of the gym. No, it's a conflict of interest. It's a sure. huge conflict. Compl- yeah. It's very unprofessional. This like oh, train with everyone mindset is fun when there's nothing on the line, and I get that. If you're a normal practitioner, like it's you're not don't you don't do jujitsu for a living, and you want to go to a train with your you know your your best friends, gym who lives across town or whatever. Okay, I get that. If we're both pros, and there's cross training going on, I have never heard of the Patriots playing you know practicing with the Raiders. Yeah, You know, it, like, and it makes no sense. And as a team owner, I would kick that person off the team.
0: Yeah, that's what people don't get. Like the student, like, oh, why do you care if, you know, we cross-train or this and that? It's because there's a conflict of interest. If you're training somebody or you're cross-training someone and you're showing techniques that maybe your fighter is going to be using right. and then they're going to compete against each other, now he's got an advantage. And now you've hurt your own team. Yeah, You know, so uh, in a competition setting... The cross training can be uh, very dangerous because you could be exposing your uh, your team to harm because you're just trying to show everything to everybody, you know.
1: And and uh, and you have like uh, uh, for example, this happened like a while ago. There was a quintet here in Vegas, and we were in the final with the local gym, uh, the 10th Planet Gym, and and like Max had cross trained. He was on our team, and he was he had trained with some of those guys. At extreme couture because that's where kind of like you know everyone meets to spar and whatever right and so their training partners supposed to be friends but the guy's in the opposite team yeah and it's kind of like a weirder dynamic right and the whole time the guy's given instruction on how to beat max and i'm watching that and i'm like all right max if you go back to that gym and train with that guy again you're fucking stupid i hope that was the last and i didn't say anything he yeah, got yeah. the clear, like he never went back but you know might have gone there to spar but never rolled with the guy again because it's like okay man you're gonna be cornering against me well f you you know, and I I personally, I've been asked to corner against Damian Maya more times than I can count. I had at least three people, at least from memory, probably more like four or five, going, Hey, Rob, I'm going against Damian Maya. I know you're a jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah, blah, blah. Would you train me for that fight? And they pay me. Right? Yeah. I, I just can't do it. To me, there's like a loyalty there, even though I haven't spoken to the guy in years. Like, there's a loyalty there. Like, no, man, we trained together way too long. You know, yeah. I remember when uh, I fought. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a very... I don't hold on to stuff, Dave. Like, people do this stuff to me. Like, I kind of, I get mad for, like, 10 minutes, and I forget it. I think it's easier to live that way. You don't hold sure. on to shit. When I fought Jacare at ADCC, a super fight, Andre was, like, helping him warm up and, like, cornering him during the fight, and I'm like, what the... F-? I'm like, I remember during the fight thinking that I'm like, we trained together for years in Brazil. You don't train with Jacare. why? It made no sense to me. To me, it's like, dude, I would never do that, right? What he did is, like, you know, it's... It is what it is, you know. I, I'm not. I don't hold grudges, you know. Probably doesn't even remember, it, but I do. I just don't hold it against the guy. But it was weird to me. It's like, man, we were. You're supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you were to fight like someone tomorrow, like one of my good guys, I'd be like, hey man, you guys go at it. Like Damien's fighting Gilbert. Gilbert's a, teen, a Zenith member. Not in a million years would I give one guy or the other yeah, advice. So I'd be like, hey man, it's to me that's like standard. Like you, you have to explain this to people, right? But. People aren't like that, man. So the cross-training thing is that de- very detrimental in a lot of ways to a team mentality. The team is supposed to be a beehive. We're supposed to have each other's backs all the time. So it's not a controlling thing. It's more of the team benefits yeah. from having that mindset, even if you as an individual don't.
0: Yeah. So I, I agree with those points. Uh, with that being said, though, there is benefit, of course, to cross-training. In the sense that you're going to be exposed to new knowledge, potentially new knowledge, right? So I think it has to be done, but in a way that's controlled, you know? So when people ask me, like, oh, like, do I need to cross train at another gym every day? No. But if I do it, I treat it like if I'm doing a seminar, right? Like, if I'm going to attend a seminar, I don't attend seminars every day, it's just too much information but once in a while i do and everything i pick up from there like i'll absorb it i'll train it practice it if it works out good okay now i'll disperse that knowledge into my beehive and then all the other bees yeah collect that knowledge uh, so i don't think it's necessary for everybody to be doing it particularly if you're the coach that's i think the responsibility of the coach is to acquire this new knowledge and hand it down to the students if everybody Goes out, tries to find stuff. They they might not know what's good and what's not. It's partly why they're paying you, yeah. right, as a coach, because you're the guy who knows what works and yeah. what doesn't, and you're the one doing the homework. So, uh, like in these situations here, like this uh, Malofo came, I I think for those guys, it's going to be very beneficial for those athletes because, uh, particularly someone like maybe Kainan who's not training all these leg locks or whatnot, he's going to get a lot of exposure to it, you know, and like, yeah. and he's going to pick up something from it. Does he need to train every day with all these guys? No, I don't think he does.
1: There's there's two there's there's, a, there's I, I agree with everything you're saying. What I say I, I think that it's hard for people to explain because the way our mind works, it's like one thing or the other, it's either good or bad. Yeah. And people don't always see the gray. There's good and bad both together. These yeah, things coexist, right? There are benefits and then there are there's, you know, sometimes the, the individuals on this side of the fence and then the team is on the other side of the fence. And you're, you know, and it's not an easy one because I've been on both sides of that fence. And as a practitioner, yeah, you want to have new experiences. Although I think for progress, you don't need 30 training partners. You need like three solid guys. Yeah. That's yeah. My, my biggest leaps in jiu-jitsu. I was training with the same person every day. <laughs> Those are some of my biggest leaps in jiu-jitsu. But, you know, as a, as a but yeah, like we were talking about, that the team is hurt. On a professional level, and there's money involved and there's a career involved. And you're just not you're not a hobbyist. You're fighting at a high level. I would never, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't let my fighters do it. I'd be protective of the team. It's like, "Hey, man, I know. That guy right there you're helping right now is going to be fighting your guy, you know, next week. No way." You know, and it it sounds very, you know, political and all of that, but there's no way it's not going to be political when your careers on the line. Yeah. There's a lot involved. You know, I, you know, maybe because I see it more as a team owner today. I don't see it as an athlete anymore because I'm not competing. So maybe that explains my change of perspective. But you know, it's, it's it's kind of your responsibility to guard the, the well-being of the team as a whole. Like you know, if if you're going against people that are going to be going against your teammates, if it's a one-time exchange, there's not that much. But if it's happening all the time, that's a problem. I've had that problem with with students. They wanted to represent two teams and go back and forth and train with both them. Like if you're every now and then, and every now and then you want to go. Like when I was in California, I visit Czech Matt, yeah. like Lucas. Lucas is one of my best friends. Right, I go out there, I would roll with him. That happened a few times. lapella, those guys have a good roll you know but it it ends there it's not it's not consistent I would not train with them consistently because they probably wouldn't like that and it doesn't work too well yeah. you know so it's it's a very sporadic thing and like so the Modofo camp it's, a, it's not gonna happen a lot and I like I said I don't think they're exposing themselves no one's showing any weakness or strengths they're kind of like it's poker face the whole time. They're keeping their cards really close to their chest, and they know that the other person is doing the same. And it's a silent agreement. I'd be very surprised if they're actually going at it the way they were at ADCC.
0: Right. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it, I saw was Michael Zenga was there as well. So like, that's why I figured they're filming this. They're going to make this into a product of some sort. Who's that? Uh, Michael Zenga. He's a guy who runs BGA Fanatics. Okay. Him and uh Bernardo Fadio, they're, ah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're partners yeah, yeah, yeah. together, makes sense. Um, so I saw him there with Mo. so I'm like, okay, there's this is going to be a product of some sort, so it should be interesting. I wonder what exactly they're going to film. Like, are they doing this like when Lloyd Irvin did his uh, what was it called? I don't even remember. This is what got uh,
1: Keaton famous partly, was when they did the uh, that brown belt invitation. I remember. Week. I remember. They like a mini. Like I didn't watch it, but I know they did. It was like a like a reality TV kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? And a they, bunch were, of brown and they were
0: filming each other in the house and in the training, and so it was a really good insight, you know, uh, into these competitors and whatnot. And that format they had with was really brutal because they were competing four or five times a day, no time limit. It was sub only. Uh, they were doing one match with the gi, one match without the gi. Who won that one? Uh Keenan.
1: Keenan did. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um who else I forgot was in there? I remember hearing about
1: it. I didn't watch it, but I remember hearing about it. No,
0: so. there were some really good matches in there for sure. Um but yeah, Keenan ended up winning that. And uh he did have hometown advantage, but I think technically he was just a better guy there. Uh and by knowing the way the guys at Lloyd Irvin's role, they go, they have great endurance, they do lots of rounds back and forth. So I think that format suited him well. Yeah. Because he was used to those types of grinds, you know, doing three matches, like 10, 20, and 30 minute matches a day. Whereas most people probably are not used to that or that the, the intensity that they go at. That's why when he went against. Gordon and they did a no time limit match. I was very impressed that Gordon was able to beat him in that format because that was like going towards
1: Keenan's game more. Yeah. And Gordon still was able to. That was a long time after the Lloyd Irvin days, though. It was, yeah. yeah. And you know, one thing, just on on a caveat here, like a side note, you got to give it to Lloyd Irvin. Mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say he's a much better coach than he gets credit for. Because he's been consistently put in good. I, I I don't think there's an American coach that's put out as many good fighters as Lloyd Irvin. I can't think of any. No, he's a uh... like, he's been consistent. Like I think I've done fairly well. Like I can think of it, like, but like I wouldn't put it on the same plane. You know, like I see some other guys out there that have done well. You know, the guy like the established good coaches, like to me, Fabio Grigel, Leo Vieira, you, you know, like Julius Cesar. Like there's, I can go give you a list of guys, but like Lloyd Irvin doesn't always get put in that list a lot of people don't like him. Yeah, but he's a very good coach. You have to okay. be
0: excellent coach, and mm-hmm. the reason why is that he follows systems. Yeah, that's why, like, you put in athletes, he'll give you you know studs. It, it works that way. Like, Ali, I think, came to him as a brown belt, but from my I understanding, think purple, no, or maybe purple, yeah. I'm not sure, but he wasn't really famous yet. He was no. just a big dude, and, he's, and he's athletic a guy, yeah, yeah, and uh. Or Keenan th- came to him, I think, as a blue belt. There's JT. He's a blue belt too. Yeah, and then the, but uh, the new kid, lightweight uh, came, Jamil. Jamil, that was I think. I think he's the best yeah, guy that ever come out of that camp. And he's, I think uh, he's a product from start to finish. Yeah, because you know, like, uh, the one thing that Lloyd does really well is that he has the legacy kids. Like there's people that are start like four years old and they stick with it all
1: the way into their 20s. So he's constantly bringing new talent.
0: And he has a, a very positive culture in there. The, uh, essentially the kids, they start off, and then as they grow up, they start teaching, they start mentoring. So they're all about the martial arts lifestyle. Um, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. And when you have people in the gym for 10, 15 years, you know the type of things that can happen. It's, right? it's
1: here's the thing, you, you have to create the right environment. I don't know the environment personally, but at least on the competitive level, no one you have to I mean you can't argue with success. Yeah. You know, you don't have to like it or you can't change it. You know, like it's success is there. And like he he is now he has two black belt world champions, Mohammed and Jamil. Yeah, Are i missing someone. Um well no,
0: DJ is a Nogi world champion. She's
1: a nogi world champion.
0: I think was Niger I'm not sure if she wanted... We're probably forgetting someone,
1: you know. I think JT came out of that camp, too. So you did a lot of other, you know, Keenan, you know. So, like, they, in one way or another, they were impacted by that camp. Um, You know, you got to give the guy credit, for sure.
0: Yeah, and you see, even, like, him, he has a pretty controlled environment as well as far as his guys. But he would expose them to other people as well. I was one of those guys. Like, uh, when I came up with my Kimura trap system he flew me over there uh, like three different times to spend a week with him. And like one of them was to work with Keenan because Keenan at the time was I think a purple belt, just turned brown and had no wrestling. Mm -hmm. He was all guard. So he's like, we need him to learn this thing so he can defend himself using submissions and whatnot. And Keenan's like the best success story for Kimura's. He's Kimura trapped Dean Lister twice. He's, got Lucas Leitch so like it obviously worked really well for him mm-hmm. you know and guys like and uh, what they, DJ, Nigel they've all hit the system really well so but he's brought other people like DJ he's infamous for his double leg yeah but he actually uh, part of that was developed by Ken Primola and I'm not sure you know who
1: the Ken name is. sounds he's stupid. an Iowa wrestler okay.
0: uh, really good wrestler and. He used to run, oh, I forget the website he had, but it was a popular site, uh, Facebook page, memes and whatnot. It was good stuff. And um, he got connected to Lloyd, and then we found out oh, he's a really good wrestler. And he's like, oh, why don't you come in, teach your guys wrestling? And he taught DJ that blast double leg. There we go. And I was there But also. But
1: DJ does fit that oh, description. Yes. Yeah, I was telling you, like the shoulders attached to the ears. Yeah. Like he's got no neck. Yeah, no. He's, a, like, he's a perfect, like a ram. He's yeah.
0: Exactly. They call, they call him Ram Man. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah. 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 He was perfect for that because uh, he's also short. So he's always yeah. low. So it's easy to pop, to run through. He doesn't have to bend his knees much. It's yeah. just drive. And uh, I remember I was there when they started working with him because it was me, DJ, and Sadiq Yusuf. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Sadiq. He's a UFC fighter now. At the time, he was a white belt. Just came in from Nigeria, if I'm not mistaken. Or he might have been here, but he's from Nigeria. And uh, Ken was showing us, okay, this blast double leg. Now, you know it. It's not fun to get blast double. Yeah. It puts a hole in your chest. You know, like, boom. Uh-huh. So he's like, I don't want you guys doing it to each other because you're going to get sore and you're not going to go as hard. So he's like, we need somebody to be the uke. And they're like, oh, <laughs> Sadiq. And so he's like 160 pounds, white belt. Yeah, He's in good shape, but I mean, like, I don't know if he was ready for that. He's like, okay, you're going to be the guy for an hour getting blast double leg between me and DJ back and forth. No amount of money
1: can make me do that.
0: <laughs> he took all the punishment, Yeah, bro, and he didn't complain once. And afterwards, I remember I went like, man, this kid's going to be amazing because he, he, he went to train after that. I'm like, he took an hour worth of abuse from me <laughs> and DJ and look yeah. at him. And now he's a UFC uh I think it's like eight and one or something like that. He's knocking wow. people out. So like it's another success story from um Lloyd Irvin as well. There we in, go. in the in the I MMA crossover. So uh, but yeah, the the point being that the way uh, Lloyd does is he will bring people in, run a seminar or a clinic, and then boom, that's the exposure, right? So uh, I, I know he's done this a bunch of times with other people as well. He's had like dietitians and all sorts of stuff. I think that's a great way of doing it because as the gym owner, you're controlling the influence and wow. you're making sure it's the right type of influence because I've had it where people would seek out advice from what I would consider charlatans. Yeah. They'll know what they're talking about and they get into your fighter's ear and start feeding them BS. Oh, there's tons and then of that, you, Then you, yeah. you've, now they're, they're poisoned because now they, they, See this guy as an authority figure, and now
1: he's going against what you're saying, but he has a higher standing now. And you know, when that happens, and I've been doing this long enough to observe this is as soon as they become successful, as soon as they reach that spotlight, that's when that guy comes in. It's like, and you've seen it in every like fighting slash boxing movie you've ever watched. There's like that, there's that guy. There's a coach who brings the guy up, and there's like the, the manager that comes along later. And takes him in the wrong direction, and he goes back to the old coach because the old coach really knew how to train him, right? Yeah. We see, and it's so true. It is. It's so true because you know, it's sometimes it's not. You know, it's always like the evil manager, but it's a lot of times like ah, I've said this before. A lot of times it's the wife, <laughs> it's the girlfriend, it's the dad, it's the mom. Yeah. You know, yeah. other people that that shouldn't be. You know, it's funny, and I I, I don't we brought this up before, but like in, in collegiate wrestling, like you would never ever list the co- the coach would never care what the girlfriend thinks. Right. If the girlfriend walked in, they're like, "Yeah, no. This is how you should run the camp. No, John is doing too much work. He's got to do more of that." The coach would be like, "Get the fuck out of here." That would be literally <laughs> yeah. he's like, "Get get out of get get out of my mat. You know, like get, go." In MMA, people that shouldn't be there are constantly, you know, and they get into the fighter's head and they change a winning recipe. I think of this like this: If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you have a recipe and it's worked all the way to here, why are you changing? The funny thing is, the second they get into the UFC. Or they reach you know like you know they're on flow they've made it in jiu-jitsu right so to speak they have oh, got to change something now i'm at the top i got to change it and they get that mindset and i've seen it like man you don't have to change a thing you've made it this far the hard work is behind you you just got to keep going that exact same yeah. path and it's difficult because that's when they start getting you know all the offers when well, and they, and, they yeah. get ambitious now they see that it's they see where the possibility is, so they feel that they have to do more and change and from my experience, that's the beginning of the end. It seems like they're going to the next level and watching them is they lose that recipe that made them successful and they're just like pretty much surfing the wave that was, you know, that was created way before. They're just like, it, but it's the beginning of the end of their career. The descent begins right there.
0: Yeah, I've seen guys who we built that were stone-cold killers. Really, really, really good. And they start getting these people in, start influencing them, and then they start falling apart. And then they're like a shell of their former selves. Like, man, like just ruined a, a guy that could have made more of himself just because he listened to the wrong people. Wrong and then it's, people, like you man. said, because the more successful you get, the more you're like a great white lots of remoras are stuck gonna clinging on to your back to feed for the oh, ride and, and, and they and they might it's not hard clean, to identify
1: yeah i, I was funny man because i i was watching this documentary on it might have been netflix i don't remember it was, it was like on caesar and i can't remember which caesar it was i think it was augustus all right and basically it was talking about you know his biographers will say like he like very lonely guy obviously can't trust anyone and i was imagining man Imagine what that guy had to go through. Because as, as any leader feels this. Because you know, the more you climb up, the less you can trust people. Because everyone's got their own agenda. Yeah. And your true friends are only you can know you can trust are the ones that were there before you accomplished anything, right? But those right there, like they 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 drift away from you a lot of times. Not because you push them away, because life takes them in different directions. Yeah. So my the, my very best friends, the people I would trust with my life, don't even train jujitsu. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I talk to them like once a year. Right, and it's just kinda of how it happens. But as you go up the top of the fighter, like you don't even know who to trust. You know, and then you know, your wife is there with you every day, so you end up listening to her or you know, your dad or whatever. And a lot of times they're just looking at the money. Just because they're right there, they love you, doesn't mean they always have your best interests. Uh, so they're gonna said, go like, yeah. Hey, John, or you know, like whole you know, have this guy as your striking coach because he's only charging you fifty bucks an hour. This other guy wants ten yeah. percent. Now what's best for the fighter's career? It may be one or the other, but the judgment is being made based off of price because the wife wants a bigger house. Right. right?
0: And there's that and the fact that it's someone who doesn't know what they're talking about.
1: And normally. Right. Yeah.
0: Because they're not a fighter. They haven't gone through it. It'd be like getting medical advice from, you know, your uncle. Yeah. Or you a know, like plumber. Yeah. Or a plumber, whatever. And it's like they don't know what they're talking about. So what they think is just price. Yeah. Right? And that's what makes a difference. And, but there's obviously very different things. I, uh, they don't yeah, they don't see it though. Yeah, they don't see it. This is one of the things in marketing that people don't get either. Like if you would call a gym and they're like, "Oh, what's the price?" and they won't tell you on the phone, some people are like, "Oh, it's a scam." It's like, no, it's not a scam. What it is is that they don't want you to price shop with them because they might not be the cheapest around, but there's a reason why. Because there's a there's a high quality of service involved, but you're trying to treat this like you're buying from the McDonald's value meal and this is not this is a prime ribeye steak so we're going to compare price yeah i'm going to look bad because i'm thirty dollars a pound you know, or thirty dollars an ounce mm. or whatever and the mcdonald's is 199 but you get what you pay for 199 yeah. you have diarrhea when you go to train yeah you have the prime rib you feel pretty good about yourself right so I it's one of those things that you have to know what you're talking about when you need to pick the price so if somebody's making the decision of how your training camp should go and isn't an expert, they're not in the position to make that
1: they're- and i I agree a hundred percent and but it takes a level of maturity to be able to you know it's a personality thing. this is where like like a lot of things are outside of the cage they're not technical at all, play a huge impact on what's going to happen inside that cage or on yes. the mats. Because having the ability to make the distinction between a good and a bad decision on a personal level, on a financial level, on who you're going to surround yourself with. We're talking about social intelligence. We're talking about, you know, knowing when to be your foot down and when to, you know, when to take a step back. When to, like, give the authority to your coach and when to acknowledge when he may be wrong. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. a very thin line these guys gotta try. Now you have to admire people that have managed to stay on top for so long. I can guarantee you they have a very good, balanced personal life. Yeah.
0: I think it is a big part of it. You know, and you have to remember fighters are used to or athletes in general are used to being coached and told what to do. And it doesn't take much effort for somebody else to try to fill that void, you know, if the coach is not in, injecting themselves. so of course, a wife or a mother or a father or someone else can come in and take that coaching role and fill voids yeah. if it's not if you're not putting enough, so that's why I think it's important because I think fires are susceptible to being manipulated in that way
1: it's not their thing too they yeah. got they they do what they do, yeah you know so um having the right people generally speaking, family is you know trustworthy, but like there's always like that greedy brother. You know that greedy dad or mom is just like lot looking at your career they're looking at like immediate cash right so right. i mean if it's, you look it's at a tricky man it's a it, tricky one
0: unfortunately it's like if you look at murder suspects it's always family or husband. oh no or like rapists too like yeah it's always like yeah.
1: the creepy uncle man like it's 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 crazy but you know you want to be able to trust people really close to you but it's they're not always it's it's a it's a tricky business man people are a tricky business like it's not, it's so complicated, man. We're always changing. To me, like the biggest question mark out of all question marks, man, is the is the people factor. It's yeah. a very difficult one. To me it's like psychology, like sometimes I'm looking at this stuff and I'm going, man, is are we ever gonna figure out human behavior? Because we can't even put, you can't even, you, know, you can't put the finger on it and say, this is what people are gonna do next. You don't know. You have no, someone's explaining to me some of that. You know that guy that does the um, the salt thing? He goes like that and everyone uh, just loves the made. guy this way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, what is that, man? This guy's like, oh, he's made so much money. And from what? Oh, it goes like that. And like people pay him so much money to do that on their food. I'm like, really? How do you predict these things? How do you predict that that's going to be a hit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it, It's it's just random shit that flies, man. You know, And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. and There's no way to predict what I'm going to do next. It's,
0: you know what's uh, funny? I just started watching The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Right? But... I told my girlfriend, the stroke of genius of the writing of this show has nothing to do with the Mandalorian and everything to do with the baby Yoda.
1: Oh right? yeah. I'm like, baby Yoda is what saved that
0: show. Oh, it's what made it, really. It's yeah. what what everybody watched it, right? Like I, it's the reason I watch it because I see yeah. all the baby Yoda memes all the time, and me and my girlfriend were laughing about these. I'm, all right, let's watch this say, Oh, we gotta get the Disney oh, Plus I thing. I want to
1: adopt Baby Yoda.
0: And like, oh, it's seven bucks a month? Okay, fine, let's watch Baby Yoda. Right? But like this if my but, son
1: were born with green ears and I like, like that I'd be perfectly happy because it's so <laughs> cute. You couldn't be I want a baby Yoda for so a I'm like
0: apparently yeah. you know who wrote it, it was this guy John Favreau. Yeah, and he's the guy who always plays like the buddy cop or the buddy with a uh, Vin, um, what's it, Vince uh, Vaughn. He's a big. i uh, see him. He, I don't know, but apparently he wrote this. He's had this for years, the script and everything. But like, I guess it was only just now where he decided to pitch it, or somebody yeah. picked it up, and to make it a movie. Because if you look at the credits, he's the executive producer. He's the writer. He's the director. Yeah. I'm like. That's pretty amazing because I mean, he's known as an actor, you know, and that, that's great. But he I'm put it all together. But, but my question is did he write in the Baby Yoda? Because if he did, then he's a genius because he understands, especially now. Or I'm wondering if Lucasfilms got it and then, like, okay, we need to make something very adorable here.
1: You know how hard it is to get my daughters to watch Star Wars with me? Because we have to find a happy middle, yeah. right? Like, we can't. So, like, sometimes it's Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, and that's kind of like middle ground for us. But like, Star Wars is something I want to watch and I can't get them to watch. They love Baby Yoda. They oh, watched yeah. The Mandalorian with me because Baby Yoda's in it. Yeah. You know, take out Baby Yoda, see if they're interested. Yeah, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. That's funny because it literally does nothing. No, it's just cute. He doesn't talk. He doesn't have
0: any meaningful interactions. No. It just sits there and goes... It's the star of the show. <laughs> I, I, I told Jamie,
1: it would yeah. be great if they put the casting like yeah. Brad Pitt.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be Yoda.
1: <laughs> it is because like Yoda, it, it, the original Yoda is such an adorable character already. And then you got a baby version of that. It's just, man, it's too much. I'm surprised they don't have toys out yet. I'm sure they're on their way. You yeah. know, an AI baby Yoda that does exactly what it does in the show, which yeah. is like nothing. Just exactly, that's pretty easy yeah. to put
0: together. Yeah, yeah. And make a fortune because yeah, apparently yeah. that's a it's not CGI. They made the it doll. It
1: looks thing. yeah, it looks too real to be. It's an like animatronic mean, type
0: thing. Yeah. So that's what you know. My girlfriend has never watched Star Wars, really? any of the movies. Yeah, and and she's like a year younger than me. So I'm like, what the hell you've been? Yeah. She's like, I oh, always heard about them. I'm like, you know, one of the things that's good about those movies is that they still look good nowadays. Yeah, because they actually didn't do any CGI back then. They did all models, and apparently a lot of the artwork was painting and whatnot. So they scale well, right? Because if you did, if you look at 80s CGI, it's awful, and right away you can spot but it. The models, yeah, you're yeah, right. But if you're using little models and whatnot, the I guess it still looks pretty good because you can watch Star Wars now and it still looks.
1: It's still very good. agree. Like yeah. I can watch the old ones all day and still feels like it's brand new. Yeah. Anyway, Dave, gotta get going back to work. Gotta yes, go train sir. those guys. Uh, it was a pleasure. That uh, was a good one. I hope you, you guys enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys again next week. Take okay. care. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed
0: the show. If you have any feedback or suggestions, go ahead and share with us. You can find us on social media at breaking the guard or hashtag breaking the guard. And you could also find our website, breakingtheguard.com. Uh, if you again, if you guys enjoy the content, make sure to share it with a friend, like it, all that good stuff. It helps get us a, gives us a little more traction on the social media circles. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast, whether you watch it on iTunes or the Play Store or wherever else you view podcasts. A final word from one of our sponsors, which is the Front Headlock Series. Again, I've been promoting my Front Headlock Series for a while because it's actually it's on sale. It's normally $77 for the DVD, which is a three-DVD format. Right now, you can pick it up for $40. And that also comes in online streaming as well, whether you get the DVD or whatnot. It's a very good course covering the fundamentals and advanced techniques on how to use the front headlock for MMA and grappling. Whether you don't like wrestling or you do, you'll definitely need to learn this. Because usually, if you don't like wrestling, it's because someone's front headlocking you. (laughs) They're sprawling in you, they're catching you in guillotines, and they're making you suffer. So if you know how to use a front headlock really well, it's a very good counter-wrestling game. Uh, It doesn't require you to be athletic or explosive. It just uses solid grips and controls around the head to nullify your opponent. And not only is it good for scoring takedowns and countering takedowns, but also for scoring submissions. Because if you have a front headlock... Pretty much every choke is at your disposal. Whether you're looking for guillotines, DARS, anaconda, even set up triangle chokes from there. Whether it's in, uh, reverse inverted like Toby Yamada, or just like a standard triangle choke, everything could be set up from there. So go ahead, check it out at frontheadlock.com.